welcome to Excuse My ADHD, a podcast for adults with or who think they may have ADHD. I'm your host, Jeanette, and this is my journey. Hello, and welcome to Excuse My ADHD, episode number 29, ADHD Awareness Month Part 3 thanks to October having so many weeks in it. Um, I am your host, Jeanette, and I am navigating ADHD one distraction at a time. So to close out ADHD Awareness Month, I want to talk about one of my biggest pet peeves since being diagnosed, and that is trying to debunk the myth that ADHD isn't real or, you know, that bad parenting isn't the cause. So if you're a first-time listener... Thanks for tuning in, and if you're a returning listener, thank you for coming back. Let's get started. As ADHD Awareness Month comes to a close, I just want to say that I hope some of the information I have been providing is helpful. Earlier this month, we talked about some of the common myths myths surrounding the stigma of ADHD. This episode, I want to focus on a couple that are somewhat interlinked. The first, ADHD isn't a real disorder, and the second, it's caused by bad parenting, both of which are just uninformed responses to something people don't really understand, just like most things. If it doesn't affect your sphere of your world, then so what, right? I mean, you don't, it's not, not important, it's not as important as what's close to you and what affects you. And I'm just as guilty as this as anyone. I've said it before, but for a while, you know, I even believed what they said that it was caused by food dyes and bad parenting because they said it so many times that it just, it's like that fake news thing that's going on right now. You just absorb it like osmosis or something. But, you know, that was before when I had no idea it was actually something that was much, much more than that. And in putting this episode out, it's my hope to help give you and your loved ones just a little bit of the information they need to finally understand and get it. So the first myth to address is that ADHD isn't a real disorder. Well, not only is it real, but it is a physiological disorder that has, it's largely genetic And so while sugar and food dyes may exacerbate symptoms, they're not the cause. Bad parenting, also not the cause. So here we have sugar, food dyes, bad parenting, no discipline, on and on. All of these are not the cause of ADHD, no matter how many times someone tells you they are. The science doesn't back it up. But what it does back up, however, is that there is a significant link to genetics And certain environmental factors like lead exposure, smoking during pregnancy, premature birth, and certain types of trauma to the frontal lobe because, you know, that's where all the executive functions are. There have been so many things attributed to the cause of ADHD that just aren't true. And I said the biggest one that always gets, you know, it's that it's your parents. But it is but not in the way that people usually say it. It's not parenting. 
but it's in their genes, the genes they pass down to you. There isn't just one gene that is involved either. It's a whole group of them. For example, you may already know one. You may not, but it's the MTHFR gene. And I recently learned of two others, but I kind of just want to focus on one in particular because there's some new research that just came out like last month or the month before. So according to this new research, autism and ADHD appear to share some of the same mutations of this MAP1A gene. And here's a quote from Technology Network's article. In the study, the gene that is most frequently affected by mutations in people with ADHD or autism is the so-called MAP1A gene. The gene is involved in the formation of the physical structure of the nerve cells, their inner skeleton, so to speak, and is important for the development of the brain. And that was the quote by Dr. Anders Borglum. The study that they're referring to is one in Denmark where they looked at the genes of 8,000 people with ADHD and or autism and 5,000 without as a control group. And what they found was that there were more mutations that either severely affect the gene or just destroy it. So further, they found people, for those that carry the mutation, they're 15 times more likely to have ADHD and or autism. So if you think, oh, well, 13,000 people compared to, you know, like what, 7 billion in the world isn't much, obviously, but they also went and used data from more than $45,000, 45,000 international control subjects without any psychiatric disorders. Another article from Psych Central discusses the same study, but they go a little bit further to note that it's a striking similarity between autism and ADHD and that children with autism and children with ADHD, they have the same amount of the gene mutation, which pretty much means it involves the same biological mechanisms. This isn't the only gene like I mentioned, and with the genome having been mapped more thoroughly now than ever before, I would say there are going to be, you know, many other studies of a similar nature. But if you want to read the article, it was published in Nature Neuroscience in a paper entitled Autism Spectrum Disorder and Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder Have a Similar Burden of Rare Truncating Variants. I warned you, sciency. Um, so to get back to the other more well-known gene that I mentioned, the MTHFR, (laughs) the initials make me think that whoever named it has a sense of humor because every time I see it, I think, well, yes, ADHD is a mother beep. It's just, it's like, I can see where the vowels are supposed to be. And it, that's just, anyway whatever. (laughs) The mutations of this gene affect the way our body processes vitamins. So folate is the big one and all the other B vitamins. They're all vital to brain and nerve function. Well, and as well as cell metabolism. So since we don't make folate naturally in our bodies, 
like our bodies, you know, if you're outside, they say for like 20 minutes a day or something, your body makes enough vitamin D to last the year, whatever. But our bodies can't make folate, so we have to ingest it. And so this is the one vitamin that women especially have been shoved down our throats our whole lives because of how important it is to brain development, especially, you know, for fetuses. So not only should you take it when you're pregnant, but also before and after. But it's not just women that need folate. You know, it's everyone. And the good thing is you don't have to worry about how much you take, you know, as much as you do in other vitamins because your body flushes the excess. It's like water soluble. So now that doesn't mean go downing 50 pills of folate a day. Just means that if you're taking a multivitamin that has some folate in it, it's probably okay to take another folate to supplement if that is what you and your doctor decide is best. Always talk to your doctor. Don't take anything unless you either talk to a pharmacist about possible drug interactions or your doctor about it. Plain, simple, that's it. So getting it from food is obviously preferable, especially since the federal law does not require dietary supplements to be proven safe to the FDA's satisfaction before they're marketed. So they're not as strictly regulated. Likely they aren't dangerous, but there isn't enough testing always to know how effective they are. Like some of the foods that are good sources of folate are mostly the foods that I don't like to eat. Like most people, I guess, dark leafy vegetables. Although I'm not sure what the difference is between a dark leafy and a green leafy vegetable. Unless they mean like the darker lettuces, like spring mix or something like those dark purple ones or something. And I just said something a lot. But if anyone knows the difference, just tell me. Other sources are citrus. Obviously, I don't hate that one. Um, lemonade, orange juice, lime, whatever. Grapefruit juice is a big one, though, because you need to be mindful when consuming citrus, especially grapefruit. When you're on medication, there's I think there's an interaction with an ADHD medication and citrus where it makes it kind of it flushes it through your body faster, so it doesn't really last very long. But you need to make sure that none of yours have any interactions that, you know, you or your doctor know of. Some citrus drug interactions can even change the way your body metabolizes a drug. Like I said, with the grapefruit, meaning that the amount of drug in your system and how quickly or slowly it leaves. So beans and legumes are another one. Yeah, no, no beans. I hate beans. I mean, okay, I can do baked beans, like Bush's baked beans or like baked beans out like with the barbecue sauce and stuff. That's it. Legumes. Uh, okay, I'll eat French style green beans. And that's the only green bean I'll eat. I'm very particular. It's no wonder my daughter's is so particular too. <laughs> but some other ones are whole grains, red meats, shellfish. So that's good. Shrimp, lobster. I'm on. I'm down with that. Some red meat, some steak, ate pot roast tonight, cheeseburger. I'm good. Those are the other sources of folate. And like I said, I'm okay with those. 
But the important thing is that we make sure that we're getting enough folate to help optimize our brain function. Because, you know, without folate controlling the brain, is it really any wonder why we have so many issues with concentration? Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. Concentration, learning, or just about anything else. It's kind of like you got a car and you got about a quarter tank of gas, but you got to go 50 miles and you ain't going to get there because you're going to run out of gas. Well, you're going to run out of brain power because your tank's not full, but the folate helps all of that, helps it work better. It's like putting some fuel injector fluid or something in there to make the gas better. I don't know. I shouldn't talk about cars. All that to say, if this wasn't a real disorder or caused, it was caused by bad parenting, things like exercise, balancing your nutrition or medication would not be as effective as they are. And it's hard for me to fathom the amount of information that I didn't know before and reconcile that from the time my journey started to now. And it's just, it's like, wow. So when people don't know, and I know, so just try to remember they could be like I was, or maybe you were before you were diagnosed and didn't really get it either. And I know it can be so frustrating and even deflating, especially when, you know, someone doesn't believe you, believe you, and that someone is someone that you love and that's really close to you. And they don't think it's real when you're suffering and have been suffering your whole life and struggling and trying as hard as you can to keep up with everybody else. So we just need to be patient and kind and informative when we can, because we expect the same things from them for us. On that note, my next episode will air on November 9th. And I have a very special guest that I kind of geeked out about because um, the first yoga video I ever did, it was a crunch video, but it was hers. And so we're going to talk about yoga, mindful meditation, and sleep. So I hope you check it out because I'm really excited. Again, that's November 9th. Going to post it on time, promise. All of the links that back up what I was talking about in this episode are going to be posted in the show notes. So until next time. Thank you for listening to Excuse My ADHD. If you like what you hear, don't forget to please subscribe, rate, and leave an awesome review. Show notes and social media links are available at www.excusemyadhd.com. Until next time.